And three, two, one. Hey, what's up, listeners? And welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinoma Bitan, and Professor Dan Cable. What's up, Dan? How are you, everybody? Yeah. How, yeah, how are you, everybody? Exciting days. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, we, so we've put out, like, we've put out, I guess, five of our pilot conversations yeah we we gave them to the people (laughs) to the people responded fell upon (laughs) somewhat receptive ears yeah yep i've been really pleased with the feedback yeah the feedback has been super encouraging because we had this idea quite some time ago yep and we made a lot of crappy episodes we made a lot of (laughs) i would say we made a lot of crappy episodes that we love and it's like, can we give shout outs to some of the people who were like, guys, you need to tidy That's some of right. this up. Can we say that Bruce Daisley, who has a great podcast, um, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, said, really fun, but it seems like you're laughing at cars. Yeah. And what did Bruce mean well, by that? I, as I can tell, just that we uh, lost a little bit of our stuff. With each other in ways that were not really understood by the people that might be listening. Yeah, we, we were, I think the problem is we were having too much fun. That's that's kind of how I interpreted mm. it, interpreted it. Because I was listening back and I was like, what's Bruce talking about? These are amazing. And then I, I listened gold. to it with a critical ear and I was like, oh, I could see how this might grate a listener. It's, <laughs> I could see how having two guys laughing, banging on tables uh, because of a sentence that's in a research study, people might just be a bit like, what? What are the two of them doing other than... What have I tuned into? Yeah, what have I... What <laughs> the hell is this? What did you hear from a listener that you liked and that you want to give a shout out around? Oh, we're going to... Let's do... Okay, what did I hear from a listener that I liked and I, I... I got a message today. So this message is like... So this is live today. I was getting ready this morning and I got a an invite on LinkedIn, which has been increasing since the podcast, which, nice. is, which is nice. But the invite came with a message as well. And LinkedIn's a bit weird because if you add someone on LinkedIn, you can add, the, add them and send a message. But if they just click accept, the message just disappears. So I noticed that there was a message and I read the message first. And then the message was along the lines of, and this is shout out to Sophia P, by the way. And it says, I've just started listening to your podcast with Dan Cable on my way to work. Thoroughly enjoying it so far. Such an engaging and accessible way to share learnings from academic research. I love Sophie P. Yeah, Sophie P, you're in our good books. Because that's what we were trying. That's what we were trying to do. Like... (laughs) And it's like, it's like if I were to try to write a brief yes. of what the podcast, that's what it would be that's like. That's what it would make yeah. people feel. Yeah. I so, had a friend that I was with named Dan B. And we were out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on Saturday. So just two or three days ago. And he said that he felt like listening to us was a little bit illicit because it felt like he was eavesdropping on a good friend that he's known since he was 15 he felt that he was so part of the rapport that it felt like maybe he was, oh, I don't know, kind of like listening in on something he shouldn't. And I yeah. thought, well, in a way, that's 
that's what we're going for, isn't it? Yeah, and it's. I guess that's quite easy for us because before we started recording, when we would meet, we would just like kick it yeah. anyway. There was always yeah. like a friendly yeah. dynamic there. Yeah. So when it was time to do something serious, we couldn't. Like, it's like, <laughs> still yeah, we still can't. Well. Yeah, we're, st- we're still, we still have to like hold back a certain percentage where it's like, oh, we still need to get the message out there as much as we're having a good time. Yep. Um, and it's great that, that he, Dan C, no, sorry, Dan B. Dan B. Dan B. What's up, Dan B? But it's great that he's picking up on that because when we were trying to refine it, that was one of the things that we were scared that we'd, we'd lose, where it'd get to a point where if it just became too textbook, That's right. then it's like, do you really need us to do it? Whereas... We're trying to get this rapport. I do physically restrain myself from beating on the table. That's one of the, I don't know, the sort of... Decisions that I've made. <laughs> was an executive. <laughs> that was a round I table. I feel discussion. like the leader, the, the listeners need <laughs> the beating of the table. But, um, other than that, we're letting, we're letting some of the humor still carry us, aren't we? Yeah. That's yeah, what it's so, supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. I think there's still like a lot of like fun and camaraderie there. Um, so yeah, the reason why we wanted to, to hit you all up today, other than giving ourselves a, a pat on the back, which so far that's what this has been. <laughs> Love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, bro. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. Blue. <laughs> You're my boy. Uh, but yeah, so um, so yeah, we put episodes out every Wednesday, and we've so far been putting out like the pilot episodes. So these were the ones that we felt actually we wouldn't mind if people heard these because we feel like we're getting to a point where we can package something that is audibly pleasing. Um, <laughs> But so we've put out all of those pilot ones now. So we're now in the studio. Well, we're in the studio now, but we're now we've got like sessions booked and locked in where we're going to be going back to back with a lot more of these research studies. So what that means is there's going to be a two week blackout. So we're aiming to be back on Wednesday, the 4th of September with a fresh new episode. And in this episode, we're not jumping you in like this episode. It's we press record. We go for about half an hour that's what you're going to get. So very similar to what you've been hearing, but there's going to be no intro, outro, uh, maybe a bit of music and whatnot, but it's going to be live from like press record to the end. And we're going to, yeah, yeah. Hopefully like we'll, we'll keep like the, the good times, the good times going. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cause that's part of like, I guess if we get into our process, Dan, um, and I hope this doesn't sound too self-indulgent, but what I'd like is for the listeners who've been rocking with us and the new ones who join to kind of have an idea of why we've kind of gone with a certain format. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like our process, we wanted to have a conversation for like 25 minutes, half an hour, and we didn't necessarily want that to be a clean kind of like recording okay. and I guess if you wanted to say why did we opt to not have it clean there's <laughs> <laughs> so many reasons <laughs> one I think is that we like the grittiness at least I do of hearing fresh thoughts about a research study and I think that the rapport is fun for me anyway whereas cleaning that up and making it clinical and perhaps a lot of editing isn't consistent with that type of fun. And for me, that's an important contribution of the program is to try to take real science that has real implications about how you could get more living out of life, but make it sound approachable and normal and even amusing. 
And anyway, I think that that is part of why we wanted to keep it gritty and real. Did you have any reasons? Oh, I had several reasons. Okay. <laughs> well, I love, I love the jeopardy. Like, I love the jeopardy mm. of, like now, for example, we've pressed record and We're in. it's happening. And I love that jeopardy when it's a bit like, okay, my, I need to be so switched on. I need to be on my toes. I need to retain, let's say, possibly 30 to 40 pages of research stats figures, whilst at the same time trying to present that in a way which doesn't sound like you're in a, a lecture okay. or you're reading an article on the Harvard Business Review. Shout out to the Harvard Business Review, where I spend a lot of my time reading articles. Um, but like, I, I love that kind of live jeopardy. And I think the other reason why we needed it to be um, as it is, kind of like that raw element to it, is because... Neither of us are going to sit down and edit through all of the things. Not our style, like, is it? yeah, it's really not our style, and I guess that kind of like comes into like our availability as well because we both are kept quite busy, and to sit down and produce it in post, that's a lot of work, especially if you're taking out the ums, the ahs, the stutters. If you're a bit like, does this work? Does that not work? Something that should be fun then turns into a massive... Sounds like a job, doesn't it? Exactly. I have a job. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things that keeps you you quite busy as well. Uh, It's also one of the reasons why... What we're going to try to do is probably expect like six episodes in a row and then for the two of us to go black for like two weeks and so yeah you can like with your job because we both do public speaking you like you do a lot of public (laughs) speaking yeah you you like how would you describe yourself is it like a lecturer a a lot of these sessions that i do are eight hour sessions where senior leaders will come into london business school and we'll pick some topic like how do you engage human beings or how do you give a sense of purpose or feel a sense of purpose at work. And so we'll take that topic and then we'll just work on that for eight straight hours. So that's one type of uh, contribution type of teaching. But a second one is I sometimes fly around and um, give these hour, two hour presentations at conferences or events where people are trying to um, titillate and inspire a large group of people, maybe 200 people, maybe 300 people. So that's another type. But, you know, to, to be honest, I spend a lot of my time writing. I, I, I write yeah. these um, these so-called social science articles that we publish in top journals. And it just takes years, many years of uh, gathering data and then analyzing data and then writing the paper and arguing with reviewers So that process is something that we professors spend a lot of our time doing. And it's funny because that's part of why I enjoy our rapport so much here, because we can take those very strong scientific articles that have been peer reviewed in great journals and so on, but then disseminate it broadly and in a fun way. And so I think that that's the point counterpoint for me. It's quite interesting and really um, fun to pull out the pulp to squeeze that orange to get the juicy bits and then to present that in a way that we hope is fun and compelling yeah i do i do wonder why 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 aren't more people making the science world and the business world more fun why why isn't there more fun in them I wonder if it's like a struggling for credibility problem mm. almost like if you feel like <laughs> i'm an imposter in this land i don't belong I need to act like I belong. That must mean acting serious. 
So perhaps that's a little bit of it. Perhaps some of it is the whole idea of taking on the role of being a business person means serious and taciturn and, you know, um, what is it? I don't know what else that would be. Well, because, like, I, I wouldn't describe either of us as business people. No. So maybe if you're listening and you are a business person, what, what do you, why are you doing this? Like, why are you doing business? Like... Are you enjoying it? Like, are you in, like, it, um, it's such a serious question. Cause I think I've said on different episodes, I've worked, for, I've worked in so many different types. I've done retail. I've done fast food. Um, I've done project management, event management. I've done several different types of, and, and yeah, and I've like, I've worked at business schools. And why, why are business people businessing? Businessing so seriously. So seriously. Have you, have you been, have you been in Liverpool Street, like in the Liverpool Street area? So like East Central London. Have you, or Canary Wharf? Have you been around those areas during like the lunch hour? Yes. Have you seen people's faces? It's grim. It's grim out there. If you're crossing a bridge and looking at the, the flow of people in suits moving toward the large buildings, Sometimes it can take my breath away and, and kind of squash my soul. It, there's a, it's a look in the eye that nobody wants to be doing what they're doing. Oh. And in a little bit, I think strangely that inspires a lot of what I do in my how so-called so? job. I ask how so, because when you started that story with walking along a bridge, I was like, don't tell don't me, jump, don't, don't jump. jump. <laughs> like, you got so much to live for. Do you emphasize the bridge? Do you emphasize the bridge? <laughs> I must hit the table. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm not careful, I can hit the table. Well, anyway, I think that that is inspiring because so much of our waking hours are at work. Mm. And if work's something you hate, then kind of hate life, don't you? I know. Not that much weekend. It's hard to, it's like, I can tell you. Yeah, let's move on to. This ain't ain't the fun minute. This is not. This is not it. This is squeezing the orange of existential anxiety. Squeezing the orange dry. <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, so, so I guess in terms of our availability as well. In, so, like, this is the first time that we've met face to face in about a month. Yeah. You recently climbed Kilimanjaro. Oh my god, I really did. I sort of can't believe I climbed that with my 16 year old daughter, and uh, it's a 10 day trip. Eight days of that were climbing, and wow, um, it's hard to even encapsulate quickly how strong of a life experience that was. Mm. Like some of it is, I'm going to tell you a couple of things real quick that Please I just do. found so strange and strong. You meet this group of people you've never met before. In our case, there were seven of us. And then every day you're waking up at quarter till six, six o'clock, and going into a tent that has ice on it. And you put this thing on your finger that reads your oxygen levels. And then you have to talk about your body fluids a lot in front of the group of people. You have to talk about like how much water you drank the day before, whether or not you were vomiting at all, whether or not you had diarrhea. And so everybody goes around and kind of reports. And you do that day in and day out. You start to really feel like you know these people. (laughs) Intimately. (laughs) Yeah, if I know about your bowel movements, then look, like... It's a lot of information. Yeah, we're bowel brothers. It's like... (laughs) Unbelievable. So I think um, 
you end up forming a really strong bond with people that you'd never met before. And, you know, when you're walking, for instance, six, seven hours during a day, you get a lot of talking time. Yeah. You all have one goal, one purpose each day to get to that next space. And it's a really simple goal that everybody understands. And I think you start putting all these things together, the repetition of walking, you end up on the last night feeling almost like you're with a family. Mm. And then you wake up at 11 o'clock at night and you start climbing through the night and you summit at dawn. Ooh. And, um, that's romantic. That was wonderful and hallucinogenic. Ooh. You're at that point on about half the oxygen. That's um, almost 20,000 feet. Okay. There's very little oxygen up there at that point. You haven't slept. That's a little bit trippy. It's also cold. It's so cold. It was negative 15 Celsius. Cold enough that the water in my thermos froze in my backpack. Like actually very, very cold and dark. By 4 a.m., the most experienced climber said, guys, it's 4 a.m. And it was dead silent in response to her because we were, we were in dark places. At that point, you know, not sleeping, being in the dark and half the oxygen. It was, it was pretty strong, that experience. But anyway, in the end, uh, I'm not going to say it's for everybody. It, it sort of compiles into something where it is so much stronger than most life experiences. Like just saying things like, I didn't look at a mirror. None of us looked at a mirror for eight days. There were no mirrors for eight days. There was no Wi-Fi or plugs for eight days. You know, that kind of, detachment um you start to almost question who you are in some ways wow so true so yeah like because when they call certain feats physical and mental i guess these are some of the mental parts that aren't often yeah, the discussed physical part yeah. isn't the hardest part this isn't a technical climb yeah it's almost like perseverance and persistence and uh i think that it also has a lot to do with this unplugging process i talked about and in the very last night, unplugging from oxygen, uh, it got to the point where my feet were freezing. I have something called Reynolds syndrome. Oh, I've got that as well. Yeah. So my feet went numb, just cold and numb. After about five or six hours, I saw this cafe up in front of us. Shut up. And it had nice lights and I could see it pretty clearly. And what I loved about it is I could tell they had these bins of hot water. And they would rush up and they'd put them under people so you could put your feet in them. And I thought to myself, that's going to be so nice. And then when we got there, of course, there was no cafe. You've, you've I completely hallucinated that. Now, I believed I was going to be putting my feet in those. I was almost savoring how, oh, okay, that was a hallucination. Another time we're walking and there was this part. Yeah, you're, you're like glazing past that bit. Like, yes. that's, that is... Because that reminds me of like the cartoons when someone's like in a desert and they have this mirage of like a pool of water and then they run and they splash their face and they realize they're splashing their sand. face with sand. Exactly. So you would, you like hallucinate, like. I saw it. You wanted nothing more at that point. Like that was possibly one of your greatest desires at that point and is wouldn't it be nice if I could just go to a cafe have my feet thawed out Cup and maybe, coffee. yeah, sip on like a... Are you a regular milk? Or are you into like these dairy-free... I'll take what's on you'll take, Yeah, I guess if you're on the side of Kilimanjaro, you're not going to be like, and can I get a soy? <laughs> it's like, buddy, we've got... Okay, you're lucky. We've got semi-skimmed... You're lucky to hallucinate <laughs> that we have milk. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. That was weird. My daughter, my 16 year old, saw our dog running around us. Oh, wow. Now, of course, there was no dog, much less our dog, who lives in London, but she actively saw our dog kind of running around and chasing us and so on. And there, there were a lot of other things that happened. Like the most physical one of all was uh, I had to step up at one point, and that was hard. Um, after these step ups, you actually take a breath or two to rebalance yourself after each step. So you take a step up and I, I needed a little help. So I, there was this big boulder that was next to me. So I went to push myself up with the boulder and it wasn't there. There was no actual boulder. I, I knew it was there so much so that I pushed on it. Except yeah. that I almost fell over because yeah. it wasn't there. So it's almost like your mind is simulating things like virtual reality. Yes. So realistically that you buy it. And then until you learn that it is absolutely not real. So then you start to question, yeah. well, which things are real then? That's when it became quite trippy. That is, see, that makes me want to climb Kilimanjaro, mm. but I won't mm. do Kilimanjaro. I, I like, look, I live in East London, man. I've been resisting it for years. I'm a hipster. Like, <laughs> I'm a reluctant hipster. I can't climb Kilimanjaro. I need to go to a mountain that no one's heard of mm. and climb that. Machu so Pichu? that in five years time, when people are climbing that one, oh, I then see. I can be like, oh, I did it five years. I did it before I it was, that's yeah, great. that's, that's, that's my mountain. That's my Machu Picchu. That's my Kilimanjaro. <laughs> what about you? Didn't you have a fun trip as well? Um, like Kilimanjaro in some important ways. It, it, it was hallucinatory inducing. It was a, a test of mental and physical capabilities. I, I took the mega bus from London to Cardiff <laughs> to, <laughs> to perform stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> in Wells's capital. Um, Did you go on the Megabus to get material for the show? Um, I went on the I went on the Megabus so that I could earn as much money as possible. See, this is the thing that's interesting when you do when you do comedy is you often end up getting paid shows where the pay is less than what it takes to kind of get there and eat. So, if I had taken the train to Cardiff, I would have saved time. But it would have cost me money to, to get to show. and from Cardiff. And the rail oh, fares are like wow. outrageous. I think they wanted like about... Um, so I guess if I could be fully transparent, the fee for the show was 100 quid. And the the rail tickets would have been about 135 quid. So it would have been costing me 35 pounds... In Plus, order to do your work. In order to do, yeah, in order to do my work. <laughs> you don't think of it as work though, do you? Uh, no, I have to think about it as work, but I don't. Yeah. Which I have to in a sense of, you need to be disciplined. Yeah. You need to be professional. You need to remember that you are providing a service. Even if that service is entertainment, you are providing that to people. Yeah. You need to be on time. You need to network. So I try not to treat it like work, but it is work. Um, so in order to get as much of that hundred pounds as I could, I decided I would go to and from uh, Cardiff by Megabus. So that's probably about four to five hours on the bus. Not the longest distance I've done by bus, by the way. But the thing is, if I came back that night, the only bus that was available would have cost me about 30 quid. And also I would have had to stay in Heathrow for two hours from like about um, Mm. 2 a.m. till 4 a.m., so I was a bit like... Not a good time. Yeah. So, Although maybe you'd hallucinate there a little bit. So oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Certain upsides. <laughs> so in order to make the most out of that hundred quid, I had to... I took the mega bus there and back. So each way is about seven pounds. But then I also stayed... I spent the night in a hostel 
And that hostel was to the tune of eight pounds. And let me tell you something, Dan. You got all when, that value. When you spend, when you spend a night in an eight pounds hostel, there's no way you don't get all of that. Because guess what? Eight pounds does not stretch that far. That the like the the hostel like was pretty. It had been around for a while. Um, and also the clientele, like I've done backpacking trips before. I've stayed in ho- hostels in different parts of the, the country, uh, well, in different parts of the world, in fact. And there are some really nice hostels in the sense of the people that it attracts and also the facilities there. This was very much an eight pounds hostel, mm-hmm. like the like thin mattress. I was in a room with seven other people. There were weird noises during the night, which I won't go into because I'm going to assume this is a family friendly, but people were enjoying the people were, people were getting more from their eight pounds than I was. Let's just, let's just say, I wonder if that's part of what you paid for. That, that I, I think experience. that's part of yeah. the eight pounds yeah. experience. If yeah. you're, if you go to like a, like a, I don't even know if there are one star hotels, but let's say there are. You should know that part of the experience that you'll have is that you're going to have is someone's going to steal all of my things. I may possibly get murdered. I'm definitely leaving with bed bugs. They said that there was a free breakfast. I'm going to assume that it's probably a box of Rice Krispies that's been left out for four months. Or that apple core under the bed. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, you didn't see the, you didn't the see the, the fruit display underneath your bed, your, your bunk bed. It's like, I'm in my mid thirties. What was I doing in a bunk bed? Yes, it was. Um, you're trying to get material on life <laughs> and the diverse characters that you come across. <laughs> Isn't that what you hipster comedians are all that's, about? That's what we're totally, totally all, all about. Character. Oh man, but it's, it's such a it's such a weird swing because um, I'd have like other shows where they'll possibly pay more, but then they'll cover things like transport, accommodation, food. I have yeah. some other ones yeah. where it's like, they'll pay very little, but also you've got to think about exposure, getting out there and also performing to a different kind of audience yeah. is so valuable as a comedian because living in London, there's like a, it's like, it's multicultural. It's very progressive. You can think that like your ideas are universal until you get to different parts of the country. And then you realize that that reference is, it doesn't hold up yeah. well, or people don't necessarily see it's even with some of the, like the self-deprecating stuff. Like if you're, if, once you get outside of London, there's certain self-deprecating material that you can do where people don't really get it. Yeah. Like, because they've not been on the central line at rush hour where you've had to let four trains go before you can get on one. And that whole time you're thinking, I don't even want to go into the office. Why do I have to mm-hmm. fight? 52 people to get onto a train mm. so that I can be squished on it for like 15 minutes and then come out of that and then go to work like so there's things like that where people yeah. might not necessarily get the despair yeah. Yeah. Um, but you need to get out of the country to kind of like find out what, what are other people experiencing or how do I make that story how do I tell it in a way where they can kind of like relate it and get to it yeah and connect with it yeah um, I'm just thinking should we thank some of the folks that have been tuning in and maybe even saying interesting, important things about the podcast before, yeah. we, before we wrap up? No, totally. Like, I, I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to say some people have given us five stars on iTunes. And yeah. Thank you from the bottom of our collective heart. Yeah. Claire T is, I've, 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 
just kind of I've taken the surnames off yeah. just for I don't know it's it like the whole like GDPR kind of thing now I'm like are we going to get sued or is someone else going <laughs> to Ugh. so Claire Claire T you know who you are um, but thank you very much yeah Claire uh, gave us a five star review on on iTunes and if you're listening and you uh, you use iTunes please feel free to do the same five stars would be lovely it helps even with- stronger than feel free please do it <laughs> <laughs> we need listeners, don't we? We insist even stronger. I'm so politely British. That's my problem. I can't emphasize enough how <laughs> yes, much we if need. It's, if it's no trouble. <laughs> so British, it's disgusting. So, uh, but yeah, Claire T. Um, also, um, uh, Nick O. as well uh, said, listen to the new podcast. Good stuff. Consider me subscribed. So yeah, whichever platform you use, yeah, jump on and subscribe as well. Uh, let's see. Talking about the Transparent Sandwiches episode, uh, Tanil M. said, I really enjoyed the way you two bring levity and practical application to the research. That's the whole goal. Yeah. That's the brief. Thank you, Neil. That's the brief that we are trying to fulfill. Yeah, Tanil there. Um, and I'm just going to shout out some names as well because um, it's, it's like I always get a bit uncomfortable where it's like, are we patting each other on the back or are we like kind of shouting people out? But but yeah, uh, Benoit C as well. A uh, bit of wordplay from Benoit C. Uh, this culinary podcast is fresh food for thought. Keep going on, Dan. Nice. What about Akin? Oh, it's a shame. It's awesome. Yeah, what about Akin? Oh, so, <laughs> so, yo, Benoit, what about me? It's two of us here, man. What's, uh, <laughs> what's what? We got a problem? Do he... <laughs> Oh dear, uh, Ricardo T says fantastic content. Dan and Akin see Ricardo's. He's like, that's two yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's yeah. bringing it all together. Yeah, sub Ricardo. James Webb though asked, "Oh yes, I've never been fired." Yes, James, I've never been fired. I have done fireable activities, such as well, little ones. <laughs> like I worked in a grocery store once, and sometimes you just get hungry for Oreos, and they're just right there. Sometimes you get hungry for Oreos. They are just the And if you are unloading and the packaging happens to get ripped open, mm. it's not always your fault exactly if not you're hungry entirely. for Oreos. And yeah, I mean, I think um, that could be called theft of food and maybe that's a fireable experiment. I don't know exactly, but um, I don't think I've ever... You've ever been fired? Oh, I said on the other episode. Oh, yeah, I said on the. I've been. I've been fired. Ben, what? I don't listen. To you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've been. I've been fired before. I've been let go before. I also quit a job on the first day. I quit on the first day at lunchtime. I. I <laughs> you made it through three hours. I made it through three hours, and that three hours was training. So the three hours wasn't even me doing the job. It was me being trained to do the job. So around half twelve, uh, I went on my lunch break, and I was very unfamiliar with the area. So I just found like one of those dirty fried chicken shops, and so I sat in a dirty fried chicken shop by myself with maybe like a two piece, some fries, and maybe a can of pop. And I just kind of I had done jobs similar to this before and I sat there this is probably me around 23 years old and I was like I don't think I want this to be my life and it was the most miserable serving of fried chicken that I oh. like I couldn't even enjoy it I ate all of it of course it's, uh, it's, paid, for it's, it. it's yeah, paid for it it's fried chicken it's, uh, I ate all of it and I just thought I just I can't I can't I cannot do this 
like and and like myself yeah. in the sense of there's some problems that you have in life that are caused by other people so you can hate them but there's some problems that you you are the architect yes, yes. and, and I I just thought I can't I cannot let this be like my next x amount of months so I walked back and when I got back the uh, the lady who was training me she was like oh welcome back you know let's get back on and I was like I'm going to need to stop you right there and she was like oh uh, and I was like I I don't want this job. I fired me. <laughs> I fired me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, yeah. I'm I don't gonna, know that where that leaves us. But. Yeah, but I'm going to go now. <laughs> and she was like, she was, I remember her being really, dis- not, not disappointed. I think, I think she knew. I Because she was, let's say maybe like 10 years older. Yes. I think she got it. Yes. Because the way yes. that I said it, I think she saw my eyes yeah. and what I said and she wasn't, it's not, yeah. she didn't even treat me like I'd wasted her time. Yeah. She was just like, oh, that's a shame because like, yeah. you know, you've got the experience, you really get it and you seem quite nice. But yeah, if you yeah. don't want to do this yeah. and like, I, I don't remember, I still, rem- I can still picture her face. I can't remember her name. I can't remember the company's name, but I remember that being one of the times where I really wanted to kind of like hug an adult. because there's so many situations where adults are just like, just get on and do it. Or they're a bit like, it's supposed to be crap. Or she, I think she got it. I think she, someone who had 10 years experience on me was a bit like, helped her look at it in a new way. Kind of reminded her how it feels from that, that vantage. Mm. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That's two. And then I went and found the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) That's two times we've ground it out. (laughs) <laughs> I hope those listeners are going to keep coming back. Oh wow! Well, uh, thank you. I think I think that that's probably what yeah, we needed to that's, say. That's, well, I think we, well, what we needed to say is we'll be back September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. What we needed to say was September fourth. We're going to be back with uh, weekly episodes again. So just give us like a couple of weeks. We're going to lock ourselves in the studio. We're read as we speak. We're recording this, and as we speak, we are reading through research papers <laughs> with highlighters and red pens we are coming back it's going to be a couple of weeks it's going to fly like that hopefully you're all still enjoying your summers as well what's left of it um yeah anything you'd like to say to the to a the final peeps? note of gratitude you know thanks for tuning in and listening it's really fun producing this it's been emotional 